0: Welcome back to 15 Minutes of Fascism, a sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. I'm Craig Johnson, bringing to you this week news from Brazil, the United States, and a see you in hell, that's the celebration of a dead right-winger, from Nazi Germany. I'm going to start out with Brazil. There is continued fallout from the trial of Cid, a one-time aide of Jair Bolsonaro. It seems like his testimony is going to connect to a bunch of other military personnel in Brazil and that it will link them to Bolsonaro's crimes, both the mundane ones like jewelry trafficking and, you know, money laundering, and also the big ones like the attempted coup that Bolsonaro's supporters staged earlier this year on January 8th. Some of these involved people include General Augusto Heleno, who was the chief institutional security cabinet post holder. Uh, This is a big top security post in Brazil. Additionally, in Brazil, trials are starting for the January 8th attempted coup sort of on-the-ground participants, like the people who actually invaded the three buildings that house the three branches of the Brazilian federal government. These trials started this week. There are several hundred that the Brazilian Supreme Court needs to get through. These trials were very symbolically and intentionally held in a recently renovated Supreme Court building in Brazil, one of the very buildings that these supporters trashed. Moving on to Canada, court hearings of a white supremacist in Canada have held that his killing was far-right extremism. This guy's name is Nathaniel Veltman, who murdered four Muslim people and struck another with his car while the, while the victims, who were a member of a family, were on a walk in London, Ontario, which is a Toronto suburb. This attack occurred in 2021. Feltman has admitted that he killed them, but is pleading not guilty to murder. Feltman is also currently facing terrorism charges, and the court's ruling means that he is actually possibly going to face them, because the Canadian state has agreed that this was far-right extremism. It also indicates that the Canadian state is getting more serious about addressing right-wing hate in the country. Feltman had only recently purchased the vehicle that he used as the murder weapon, and had apparently been planning his attack for several months. He lived and worked close to his victims. Now this case is pretty cut and dry, Veltman had a manifesto, which was on his, his computer. He actually had two versions of his manifesto on his computer. He was openly inspired by the Christchurch shooting of a mosque in New Zealand. And he even said to Canadian detectives when he was arrested, and this is a pretty disgusting quote here. This is Veltman speaking. I don't regret what I did. I admit that it was terrorism. This was politically motivated 100%. That means that Veltman is just very clear that, like, yeah, you know, I killed those people because I'm a racist and I oppose the existence of Muslims in Canada. That that's his position. That's why I did it. Moving on to the United States, we got two kind of weird news stories. Marjorie Taylor Greene, the extreme right wing member of the United States House of Representatives, says that some states should just secede from the union. She is in support of secession from the United States. This is part of her escalating extremist rhetoric, but again, this is a sitting congressperson just like openly advocating treason, the kind of treason that got the United States in a civil war the last time. Also, we got a kind of stupid, fun little bit of news. Lauren Bobert, the other extreme right-wing woman in the United States House of Representatives who has been in an ongoing major and escalating feud with Marjorie Taylor Greene, was recently removed from a film screening, from a from a musical screening, for vaping and singing too loud. Apparently, she screamed as she was being removed from the theater, don't you know who I am? Moving on to Trump and Biden news, Donald Trump's facing a significant escalation of his classified documents case. Recall that this is a case that pertains to his seizure and illegal holding of classified documents in his private residence at Mar-a-Lago without sufficient security protocols and also without you know, having declassified them or dealing with them in the way that he's supposed to. This case is currently being tried, it's you know being figured out. What's happening right now is that the judge involved has issued an order, which means that the Department of Justice, which is prosecuting this case, can actually start getting these classified documents from Trump's lawyers. This had been snarled up in the court, which is complicated because like, you know, Trump's lawyers don't want them to have the documents because that's part of prosecuting this case. But they also claim that the documents aren't classified anymore. So they have no reason not to give them to people. And it's a complicated situation. Finally, the Republicans in the United States House of Representatives are saying that they are going to impeach Joe Biden, and specifically, they have started an impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden. Now, for those of you outside the United States, an impeachment is the legal process in the United States whereby a legislature can start the removal of a member of the executive branch. So Donald Trump was impeached. Joe Biden could be impeached. You know, people can be impeached. What this means is that they are like that, that, that the United States legislature says that they are guilty of a crime or that they could be removed from office. No sitting president has ever actually been removed, although several have been impeached before. So the GOP is starting this impeachment hearing against Biden, primarily based on his alleged connections to his son's business dealings. Joe Biden's son is Hunter Biden, who's alleged to have used his foreign connections with a Ukrainian energy company to benefit both he and his father. Now, the Republicans have done a bunch of inquiries into this before and found absolutely no evidence whatsoever that Biden was involved and also not really that much evidence of any crimes committed by Hunter Biden, although I wouldn't be surprised if those crimes did occur and frankly, you know, don't care any more than if any other sort of oligarch person did them. Kevin McCarthy, however who is the Speaker of the House, is starting these proceedings, these impeachment proceedings, basically in order to outflank the right wing and the Republican Party, which is nipping at his heels currently. Finally going to close out this week like I do every week with See You in Hell, the segment celebrating the deaths of prominent right wing figures in history. This week I'm talking about a big one. It is the one, the only, Leni Riefenstahl, director, actor, and Nazi propagandist. Born Helene Riefenstahl, Lenny is her stage name, in 1902, Riefenstahl's father was a a owner of a heating company and actually wanted his daughter to follow in his footsteps as a business person. He trained her in this way, he tried to get her to go to school in this way, but a young Riefenstahl was not interested in this. She was instead inspired by acting and by dance. This was a proclivity that her mother encouraged highly and secretly enrolled her in dance classes and dance schools in order to get her positions. Rivenstahl was extremely athletic. She did gymnastics. She eventually joined dancing groups and actually did very well as a professional dancer at the early point of her life throughout her early 20s. However, a foot injury made her need to shift gears, right? She could no longer continue to dance Professionally, at least temporarily. And so she moved into film acting in 1924 at the age of 22. Supposedly, this was inspired by her seeing a big film poster in Germany. Her acting debut is the movie The Holy Mountain, which is a type of movie that doesn't really exist anymore, but which was popular in Germany at the time. This type of movie is called a mountain movie, it focuses on mountaineering and like natural landscapes. And depicting the battle of humanity versus nature, this genre of movie is mentioned regularly in Quentin Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards. And in fact, Riefenstahl was the star of the movie, the mountain movie that that movie references a lot, the White Hell of Pizpalo, which is mentioned extensively in Inglorious Bastards. After appearing in several extremely successful movies, including The White Hell of Prinz which was an extremely successful and very famous German movie, Riefenstahl moved into directing. Her directorial debut, a movie called The Blue Lightning in 1932, in which she also starred, is a fantasy movie with a storytelling framing narrative. So, you know, like, like a couple goes to visit a woman and the woman opens a storybook and then what she says in the storybook is the plot of the film, Right. It did extremely well at the Venice Film Festival. Uh, The film was also made with several Jewish collaborators, but if you note the date on which it was made, 1932, you'll know that that was just about to change. In 1932, the Nazis were rising in power, and they were poised to take over Germany. Riefenstahl was just about to get swept up in Nazi fervor. In 1932, she says that she went to a Nazi rally, heard Adolf Hitler and her life was changed forever. She immediately became enamored with the dictator or would-be dictator at that point. She was captivated by his rhetoric and his presence, and Hitler was apparently also extremely interested in her work and its bombastic visual style. Its 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 emphasis on motion and energy and emotion, feeling, power. That's exactly the kind of art that Nazis really liked. And Hitler wanted her art to be a part of the rise of the nazi party rufenstahl then went on to become essentially the unofficial filmmaker of the nazi party directing several extremely famous and very successful propaganda films for them although she never joined the party herself the first film that she made for the nazis is called the victory of faith it covers the fifth nuremberg rally which was held just after the nazis had taken power The Nazis held annual Nuremberg rallies, which got bigger and bigger and bigger every year, and the fifth one was held in 1933, immediately after they had taken power, but notably before the Night of the Long Knives, the major Nazi purge in which Hitler had all of his major rivals for potential power in the Nazi party killed. This is including Ernst Romm, the one-time second-in-command or co-equal of Adolf Hitler in the Nazi party as the leader of the biggest paramilitary organization within the party. Victory of Faith was an extremely successful film, but it was essentially banned and eliminated from Germany after the Night of the Long Knives because it doesn't really look good to be shown chumming around with a guy that you, just a couple months later, had murdered. That means that in order to keep her post, Riefenstahl had to make another Nazi propaganda film. This one is the most famous one. It's called Triumph of the Will. Triumph of the Will is sometimes thought of as the greatest propaganda film of all time, although reviews differ on that front. Triumph of the Will was a massive undertaking that emphasized the power and size of German political power. It was filmed at the next Nuremberg Rally. It continued to advance Riefenstahl's filmmaking chomps, Uh, She used a lot of new filmmaking techniques and was really intent on emphasizing the power and, you know, just like bombacity of Adolf Hitler and of the Nazi party in general. So, you know, big sweeping shots of big crowds and then big close-ups on Adolf Hitler, you know, yelling at people and then massive eruptions of noise as people cheered. Riefenstahl also made a more generalized propaganda film, you know, one that wasn't about the Nazis in particular. This movie is called Olympia. It is a documentary covering the 1936 Berlin Summer Olympics. Olympia is noted for having major innovations in documentary filmmaking, including the first use of tracking shots, extensive use of slow motion, and also just like really innovative ways of shooting athletic motion that made it look alive and vibrant and powerful. That's what Riefenstahl did. And that means that Riefenstahl was a major player in getting people interested in the Nazis and making them aesthetically palatable and aesthetically fascinating. That means that arguably you can lay a lot of the mythos of what the Nazis are and how they act and what they look like at her feet. During the war, she did some war correspondence and also filmed parts of a would be opera film, which featured Romani extras, that is, people who were at the time being specifically targeted. By the Nazis for extermination. In fact, many of the extras in this film came from an extermination camp that was nearby, and many of them were in fact murdered by the Nazi state shortly after their appearance in Riefenstahl's film. After the war, Riefenstahl was captured by United States soldiers and was put on house arrest from 1945 to 1948. Eventually, as part of the process of denazification, which was the German state and the allies' attempt to reconcile the Nazi past with the fact that they still needed Germans to run Germany, she was identified as what was called a fellow traveler. That means somebody who worked with or benefited from the Nazi state, but who wasn't a full believer. She wasn't a true believer, according to denazification attempts. Uh, that's pretty much bullshit, right? She was a, an actual friend of Adolf Hitler. She became the poster child of the how could we have known about the concentration camps and the extermination thing. But again, she worked directly with a concentration camp to get actors for her films and probably would have known if they couldn't show up again because they had been murdered. However, because of this denazification process, Rufenstahl was able to officially at least clear her name of any involvement in the Nazi party, despite, again, the fact that she directed some of the most disgusting and heinous pieces of Nazi propaganda that have ever been made. She even has won libel cases against people who said that she was a Nazi in West Germany. After the war, her career, you know, kind of took a a little bit of a backslide, you know, not surprisingly. She eventually moved into a relationship, a long-term relationship, with her much younger cameraman, a man named Kettner, and spent the next several decades, and by several, I mean 50 years, uh, doing documentary work in Africa. She covered extensively a South Sudanese indigenous group and is said to have treated them sort of in the same way that she treated the Aryans in the Nazi milieu. She even got to do more work on the Olympics in 1972 and 1976. These Olympics were held in the Western world, you know, these were, one of those was in Montreal. She did filming at the Olympics, the person who filmed the 1936 German Olympics. She even photographed Siegfried and Roy in Las Vegas and finished her career working on underwater photography and seascapes. Her last film was in 2002 when she was 100 years old. Riefenstahl lived a very long life and never saw any justice for her horrible, horrible crimes. She died of cancer complications shortly after her 101st birthday this week in history, September eighth, two 2003. So, Lenny Riefenstahl, we will see you in hell. That was 15 Minutes of Fascism, a sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. I'm Dr. Craig Johnson, thanking Sleepy Kitty Arts and Sleepy Kitty Music for our intro, outro, and graphics. If you enjoyed the podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. Please leave a review on whatever it is you're listening to this on. Check out my Patreon at patreon.com slash 15 fascism. That's 15 minutes of fascism spelled out in all one word. That's also where you can reach me on Gmail, 15minutesoffascism at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter at histoftheright, that's H-I-S-T of the right, and fascism15. And I'm on Blue Sky at 1-5-M-I-N-S-O-F-F-A-S-C. Thanks very much, and I will talk to you next week.